Welcome to this edition of In the Author's Voice. I'm Jeff Williams. Best-selling author Kate DiCamillo knows a thing or two about books for young readers. The two-time Newbery medalist has some recommendations for those buying books for kids this holiday season. I recently talked with her about what she looks for in books for young readers. I guess I always just, you know, I'm such a huge reader myself. And also there's that... uh, 10-year-old and me that has never gone away. So I I just look for the books that speak to that 10-year-old uh, and speak to me as a reader. So, and it, it, you know, we're kind of in a, a golden age of um, writing for children. There's just so many fabulous books out there. To, like to turn in a list of best of is kind of really difficult to do because there have just been so many fabulous books published this year for kids. And, you know, I, and as far as if you're a parent and you're looking uh, for a book to get uh, for the kid in your life um, as, uh, as a gift, it's like I, I often say talk to the librarian or talk to the bookseller at your local bookstore because they know so much, and they can ask you questions about your particular kid and what book might be best for them. So, um, but there's just so many fabulous books out there right now. Not to put you on the on the spot or anything, but are there are there a couple that would that kind of serve as examples of? of <laughs> You're not going to put me on the spot. <laughs> you can't there? put me on the spot with books. <laughs> I love books. Yeah, no, I've got some. I've got some that I've narrowed it down to, like some of the, just some that really kind of knocked my socks off this year. Uh, in picture books, so books for you know that you're going to read with a kid. Um, there's a wonderful book called Ideas Are All Around by Philip Stead. It's this beautiful, beautiful book about going out into the world and looking for a story. And so if you've got a kid that um, thinks that they might want to be a writer or that they might want to be an illustrator, this is a, a wonderful book. Um, Thunderboy by Sherman Alexie, <laughs> illustrated by Juji Morales. This, this is a very funny book, but it's also got this serious undertone about discovering who you are in the world and kind of claiming who you are. It's a really fun book to read out loud. And then uh, for picture books, do you, do you remember A Snowy Day? Do you remember that picture book? Uh-huh. Uh, it's like that. I grew up with that, and I loved it. And this book, A Poem for Peter, is about the writing of that book. And it's just a beautiful, beautiful book about uh, how that book came to be. And then if you're looking for something for uh, kids who are reading on their own, what we call middle grade, Mm -hmm. um, Jason Reynolds has written a a really riveting story called Ghost about uh, a boy who learns who he is and what he can do. He becomes a runner, just and he kind of finds himself in this book. Uh, And there's also for middle grade readers a wonderful biography of E.B. White, who wrote, you know, Charlotte's Web and Mm -hmm. Stuart Little. Just an amazingly beautiful book about how E.B. White became a writer. And uh, then also for middle-grade readers, um, there's this wonderful book called Miss Bixby's Last Day about a wonderful teacher named Miss Bixby and three boys who have had their lives changed by her in very different ways and how they come together for her last day of school. It's a very funny book, but it's also a very sad book. And then finally we have the the young adults um, who, you know, you, you don't want to take a wrong move with the young adults, right? Uh-huh. Always <laughs> a 
terrifying prospect. You want to put the right book in their hands. Um, one of the best books that I read for young adults this year is called Salt to the Sea by Ruta Septa, and it's, it's this amazing story. It's historical fiction that I, of the greatest maritime disaster ever, and I had never even heard of this boat. Uh, it takes place at the end of World War II, and it's just, it is a love story. It's also historical fiction. It's a real page turner. I, I defy you to, like, put that book into some kid's hand, make them read two or three pages, and they will not be able to put it down. It's just, it's spectacular. So that's that's just the tip of the iceberg. There's there are just so many wonderful books out there right now for kids. So do you have any questions about all that? Uh, no, not at all. That's fine. That's all you need. <laughs> that's all you need I, I just I can hardly imagine that a teen would actually read anything historical, even historical fiction. But that's, that's well, and that's why I make this point of saying if you get them to read the first three pages, they will not stop. Um, because, yes, to say historical fiction, it's like, oh, no, I'm going to learn something. It is a real page-turner. It's fabulous. So it's always just that thing about getting the book into their hands. And um, also, I find not insisting that they, you know, you need to read this. You know, kind of follow the kid and see what they want to read and what their interests are. Um, and, um, you know, graphic novels are so wonderful now and such a wonderful way to coax reluctant readers into reading. Um, and that's always, uh, there, there's a fantastic, um, this is also historical, uh, John, Congressman John Lewis wrote a great graphic novel about the Civil Rights March called March. It's a three-volume set. It is absolutely spectacular and riveting for your older readers. So. There you go. You get me talking about books, and I can't stop, right? Well, I'm glad you I'm glad you brought up graphic novels because even here on the on 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 the college campus, I see students with carrying around graphic novels that they're probably paying more attention to than their textbooks. And and I guess that's actually if you can find a vehicle that reaches a young reader, I'm guessing is a good thing. Yes, yes, yes. And you know, it's just like um, graphic novels have become just. You know, it, it used to be, oh, they're just comics, but really um, they have become legitimized. I guess maybe Mouse did that, you know, Art Spiegelman's mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Um, story of the Holocaust. But it is just they're really works of art, and they're really storytelling works of art. And we've got our fabulous national ambassador for young people's literature, you know, Jean uh, is a, a, a genius at what he does, and we now have the genius grant to prove it. And he, you know, American-born Chinese is just an amazing graphic novel about uh, what it means to be here in this country. So, um, yes, a lot of fantastic stuff um, in graphic novels I and know. a lot of fantastic children's books in general out there. I, I know in, in talking with you previously, I think it, some point you'd you'd said something to the effect that um, that hope is an important element in in stories for for young readers. Is are there elements that these these the books that you're talking that you've recommended and all and some of these others that are, are really great reads for the, this time for this season? Uh, do they share some common? Oh, that's common so elements? interesting that you would then that like the books that I'm drawn to. So the books, you know, I always, it, it is, you're right, I said that because it's a quote from Catherine Patterson, your duty bound when you write for kids to end with hope. And yes, all of these books 
all of these books have hope, hope in humanity, you know. Um, so, yeah, that's a lovely point. Yeah. Thank you for, for – it's like that's true, and, and it particularly true now. And each one of these books is a kernel of hope. Has the literature for, for young readers changed over time, or is are the same basic nuts and bolts there? Um, I think that it's um, more inclusive now. Um, it's um, kids can pick up a book, and it's easier for them to find themselves there. Um, and I think that, um, but still, that thing that Catherine Patterson talked about um, is there in books for kids. That that hope, and also, you know, when you write for kids, you um, you have to tell they don't have as much. Not even patience. They just will not put up with. You have to tell the story quickly and tell it right away. You have to be into it right away, and I think that has stayed the same too. Um, so it's broader, um, and it tells more of the truth of the world now, maybe. Um, and we're still working towards that, but um, still, what matters is a story well told and with heart and hope. I was going to ask you about that. You raised something that I uh, that that I'm always kind of curious about, especially with today's generation of of of, of young readers, where they're used to instant everything, and if they don't know something, they Google it. It, it. Does it make it more challenging as an author to to get their attention and to draw them in the book? I I think that. Um, you know, and I, I'm out there a lot doing bookstore signings and going into schools and talking to kids. And what I find is that thing of just the power of story. So, yes, um, there are all these gadgets and all these uh, whiz-bangy things around, but, boy, they will listen to a story when you read it to them, and that's deeply, deeply heartening. And I think it's just it speaks to that thing about all of us needing story so that need is still there and um they will respond to a story and i hear this from you know teachers who um read out loud in the classroom um and thank you to every teacher out there who's reading out loud to kids in the classroom because i think it's uh, a life-changing kind of thing but uh they respond so we can still get them with story has the whiz bangy things changed a little bit the way you approach a, a story? Because I've seen a lot of books come across my desk now that have a lot of interactive uh, elements in them that take the, the reader beyond just what's printed on the page. Um, it it hasn't for me. <laughs> um, and, and that goes in hand in glove with the whole thing about not for me. Like it's impossible to think I'm going to write towards the market or what is it that what kind of story do people want to hear? I can't do that. There's no point in me writing if I do that. So I'm always just thinking, um, how do I tell the story that my heart needs and maybe another heart will need it? So all the whiz-bangy stuff has not changed for me, how I work or how I think about a story. You know, I feel lucky about that. For parents and, and maybe grandparents that hear this, um, as a as a consumer of books and also as a as a writer, what would you recommend to them to kind of look for when they're looking to to get a book for their young reader? I would say 
know the kid that you're buying for. Um, and then I would say, does it speak to you? Because there's still a kid and, and, and you, too. So when you hold the book on your hand, does it seem like something that would appeal to the 10-year-old you? So don't forget about your own childhood and your own child self. It's in there. So just look at the book not as like something I don't think I'm going to get this and make them read. Rather, what book uh, will move them the way it's moving me? That's what I would say. That's Kate DiCamillo, author of Because of Winn-Dixie. Her latest novel for young readers is Ramey Nightingale. In the Author's Voice is a listener-supported service of Southern Illinois University. I'm Jeff Williams. Thank you.